Hello and welcome to Cue the Apology, a parent's guide to faith at home. I'm Nate. And I'm Gavin. And you might make mistakes as a parent, but you are the expert on your kids. We're not really experts on anything, but we've read some books. Gavin, what are we talking about today? Yeah, today we're talking about not a book per se, but something that I heard about in a sermon that I listened to a little while back. It was actually while I was preparing a sermon myself. Did I preach it? You did not preach it. Okay. This was before. Pre-Nate. My, yeah, this is my pre-Nate, <laughs> pre-Nate church era. experience. <laughs> but it was basically on um, the cost of discipleship, which is what I had been given the task of preaching on that Sunday, which I was like, oh, Wait, wow, so your pastor preached on something you were preaching on? No, this was, I was listening to a sermon from a different pastor. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. So that I could preach on this. Yeah. We didn't preach the same thing twice in a row. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it's true. Um, but in this sermon, he brought up something that actually really, really stood out to me. And like, it's been on my mind ever since. And what it is, is this, it's this idea of three chairs of parenting. Three chairs. Three chairs. And that might sound... Like high chairs? It like it doesn't really matter what kind of chair it is, okay. but we're, we're going to envision that these are just three chairs. And the point is just, it doesn't have to be chairs. It could be three spoons, three anything, <laughs> but he chose to go with chairs. And so we are going to the continue The three spoons this. of parenting. First you have the airplane, then you have the soup spoon. <laughs> yeah, we are avoiding spoons for this discussion, but <laughs> I really like the analogy. And so this is kind of what it is in its simplest forms. So there are three types of parents, which he referred to as chairs, but we'll refer to you as parents for now. So the first chair or the first type of parent is the one who is fully devoted to God, who gives God their everything, who isn't perfect, but like their life is clearly reflective of their love for God. And that kind of drives them. Okay. The second parent is the parent who attends church, who maybe does the right things throughout the week, but who ne- isn't necessarily committed fully to God throughout the week. So it's kind of like you show up and then that doesn't necessarily follow you the does rest the of the week. Does the first parent go to church? The first parent does also okay. go to church faithfully. Hey, there, there are people that are like, you know what? I don't need to go to church. I, I know God. I, I love God. He knows me. So I'm good at home. Yeah, no, it's true. But in this example, the first parent would be one who's involved in the church. Okay. And who kind of, yeah, serves in the church, is part of the church, but then also brings that home to continue their faith alone, personally. And then this third, third seat, not third. <laughs> the third chair. <laughs> the third chair is the parent who doesn't have any faith, doesn't go to church, doesn't talk about God. Maybe they're interested in God, but right. they don't claim to have any tie to God. Um, and this is what he said about these three chairs. I wish I could find the sermon again so I could give him credit for this because it was really good. I should Google it. Yeah, I did Google it like five times and couldn't find it. But I think I was just Googling the wrong thing. (laughs) But um, he says this. So first seat parents, before we say this, just know that God is the one who brings all to salvation. So this isn't a perfect illustration, but it does tie to the Bible and it does for the most part makes sense so so this isn't winning your kids for jesus no okay (laughs) but most of the time first chair parents will produce first chair kids second chair parents and third chair parents 
will produce third chair kids. I feel like there's a music analogy in here. That's where the chairs came in, like violinist, first chair, like you're the leader <laughs> kind of thing. Okay, so talk, has to me to be. talk to me about yeah. these chairs. Yeah, so what does this mean? Like, it's one thing to say it, but what are these chairs doing? Basically, the, the idea around it is that if somebody is truly in love with Jesus, then just like if you were in love with a person, you would say good things about them. You would talk about them. You'd want to be with them, and you would take time out of your day to continually pursue that person and a relationship with that person. Right. And now your friend who maybe your best friend who you always talk to, what are they going to gather from your relationship with that person? If you are truly in love with them and care about them and want to spend time with them, they're going to gather that this is probably a pretty cool person who I also maybe want to meet. And it, it begins that pursuit together to meet this person, talk to this person and become friends with them. Whereas okay. if there's somebody who claims that they are, they really like this person, but then they hang out with them maybe once a week and then maybe talk about them a few times a week when they're eating a meal, but then don't really go out of their way to hang out with this person or talk about this person to their best friend. Then what is their best friend going to think of this person? Probably not a ton. Like you could say every, a few times a week that you really love this person and are pursuing them. But if they don't actually see you, pursuing that relationship with that person then that's probably not going to entice them to then you know i'm getting lost there's a lot of persons and, and whatnot <laughs> so let me see if i've i've got this yeah essentially you're saying if i like someone or something mm-hmm. i'm going to talk about it i'm yeah. going to learn about it i'm going to explain about it i'm going to share about it it's going to become a passion mm-hmm. If I am sort of interested, I'll be like, hey, here's that cool fact. And I might say that same fact over and over until everybody's just really annoying. Like, do you actually know anything else? Or is it just this one thing you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm tracking. Good. Keep going. You just said person like 30 times. Yeah, I did (laughs) overuse the word person. I was trying to refrain from using the word chair, but... (laughs) It's all good. Keep going. And then this third chair parent um, doesn't even... I mean, if you don't talk about someone, then nobody's going to care. The person you're hanging out with isn't going to care about that person. So there's not well, even like a even connection there. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. if I don't tell anyone about Gavin, then I don't have a friend Gavin. I'm unknown. Yeah. Nobody else knows that I have a friend Gavin. Exactly. Okay. But because you do, and because you'll talk about me, you do. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so to bring this back to parents... If there's a parent who's in relationship with Jesus, who loves Jesus, who spends time getting to know him more and doesn't just stay at that base, but in every decision they make and everything they do, the child sees that they're putting Jesus first in that decision and that they want to be in relationship with him, then that child will see that the decisions they make were for Jesus. Okay, can we simplify that? Because, I mean... Uh, I've heard it in sermons a ton of times. I know you've heard it too. This is based off of sermon that you put Jesus first in everything. Mm-hmm. When you were a parent grabbing fishy crackers for the 300th time, how do I put Jesus forward in that? How am I demonstrating Jesus in this parenting life? Yeah, yeah. Can you break that That's, down a bit? Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> what it looks like in everyday life rather than just being this term, this phrase that you know about it's like 
in everyday life, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily grabbing the crackers and then being like, praise Jesus for these crackers. Because I'm sure in that moment, the first thing on your mind isn't just... I am going to go out on a limb here, but I'm pretty sure there are tons of parents that have prayed that simple prayer. Thank you, Lord, for fishy crackers. Because they have stopped the tantrum, <laughs> calmed the child, done something. But anyways, we're not doing it every time. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> but in practical things. So when you're making a big family decision maybe to go, maybe it's a job change. Are you first setting time aside to pray with your family over this decision that you're making? Or maybe it's what you're doing this weekend. Are you taking the time to choose to go to church over this other commitment that you have? Right. Like what is the priority in the decisions that you make? So not necessarily Everything you do screams Jesus, but in the important things and in the things that matter, it's Jesus who is the priority. Right. Okay. And I think that's what sets apart the first chair and the second chair parent is the first chair makes Jesus the priority in all of those decisions. Not that they're always right, but they try to make Jesus a priority and their kids see that. And then the second chair is the one who makes Jesus a priority on some Sundays but that is pretty much the only decision that the child will see them truly choosing Jesus regularly. Right. So we could say that's like the parent that says, hey, you know what? It's Christmas. It's Easter. It's Mother's Day. It's yeah. Thanksgiving. You know what? It's Arbor Day. Whatever holiday, that's kind of the day we go to church. Other than that, it's, it's an option. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And to break that down further and actually bring some scripture into this conversation yeah (laughs) it is i mean apologetics means defense of faith so you know let's go there exactly let's do it so this is what it says in luke 14 verse 25 to 27 and this is kind of when jesus is talking to people about what it is to be a disciple and what we're now talking about is this first parent is a disciple of jesus and this is what he says to those people so it says large crowds were traveling with jesus and turning to them he said if anyone comes to me and does not This is an intense verse. And does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And so, ouch. Yeah, that's a big, whoa. Especially since we are talking to you as parents right now, where I'm sure you love your children very much. And your children occasionally love you. Yes. (laughs) But this verse is saying, hate them. And that kind of sounds backwards. It's like, why is the Bible telling us to hate our children? That's not what I was taught in Sunday school. Well, what it's kind of saying here isn't hate as in hate and love contrast, but it's in comparison. So the Greek word, I don't actually have it on me. It's okay. We're not going to pronounce it. We're not going that crazy. But basically, this is a comparative word. So it's saying compared to Jesus, it's the lesser. you You love them less than Jesus. Which, is, which sounds ridiculous, but what I'm claiming today is that when you are a disciple first and a parent second, you end up being a better parent. Right. So when you choose to first follow Jesus and let what he says and where he leads you flow into how you lead your children, then that is going to be better off for your children than if you just do everything for their sake. Well, it goes back to that intentionality, right? Like if I'm not spending time with Jesus, then I'm not talking about Jesus. And people, my, my children don't know Jesus and Jesus doesn't come out in my conversation. Yeah, exactly. And so your, your kids want to see 
that you love them, but they don't want you to see them. You idolize them. They don't want to see your main purpose in life be them. Because what does that teach them about purpose? So here's a crazy science fact that goes with that. Hmm. In reading toddler parenting books, science has actually proven exactly what you said. Toddlers are at a stage where they're pushing limits. That's their design. That's what they need to do. Three-nager, terrible fours, <laughs> terrible twos, fearsome fours, all of that. Like We've given titles to it because our, our kids just push back so hard, but they're actually looking to know the boundaries, to know yeah. what keeps them safe. So their job is to push so they know the limit, and your job is to push back and be the parent because kids want to be led. Yeah. As weird and counterculture as that <laughs> says, science fully proves that kids want to be led. And so when we let them lead, because we, we don't say no, we give in to the tantrums, we don't set boundaries, um, kids actually just become worse off Mm -hmm. because now they're scared. No one's in control. Who's taking care of them? Yeah. They are still a child. And they, whether they verbalize that or not, they still are. And so yeah. that's our job as parents is, is to lead them. And that kind of follows into this where we need to show them who's leading us. What's our, our exactly. guiding feature? Yeah. Yeah. Because if we're just going with the flow, then we almost give a false impression that we know what's going on all the time too, that we have it all together. But that also isn't what needs to be seen. What needs to be seen is the one who does lead us Good. and who can lead them in the future to become mature adults themselves one day. So it's like if they don't have that direction when they see us fail, they're just going to assume that Man, that's good. That's, yeah. that's something that's coming out in studies so much right now is, is the art of failing well because we have hidden it for so long that I mean, my generation, I'm in my 30s, but my generation and below, we don't know. It's not okay to fail. There's no option to fail. And so when we do, which you will naturally fail, mm -hmm. we just freak out. Yeah. We just absolutely freak out because we have no idea what to do. No one's modeled failing well. And I, mm -hmm. I read a quote this week. I don't even remember who it's from, but it said this, because you fail doesn't make you a failure. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing that parents yeah. need to hear. And maybe some parents need to hear that today that because you fail doesn't make you a failure. Mm -hmm. That is not your identity. That's not who you are. That doesn't lower your chair class in the system that we're talking <laughs> about, but failing makes you better. Yeah. It sets up new boundaries and new understandings. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of my, the next thing I wanted to get to was that this first chair parent isn't perfect. That's not the point. The purpose isn't perfection. The purpose is adoration or a desire for God. So the ability to actually fail, but then to bring those failures to God and even being honest to your children about those failures. Because that's going to show them that there's something bigger that you serve and something more important than your own pride or your own esteem or your own success in life. But you actually serve someone who is bigger than life. So when they can see you fail and admit your failures, they actually see that bigger one in life who is God, who will also accept them when they fail and who will also lead them when they fail. That's good. Yeah. And that's kind of why the title of our podcast is Cue the apology, because we 
well, I'm not a parent, but you as parents make mistakes and it's and okay. okay. Yeah, exactly. And I'm speaking from the experience of a child here. Um, but seeing, professional child, I am a professional child. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> that is my coined phrase for my role here. A professional child. Since I'm, I am technically in this age demographic. Yeah. We said three to 23. So, uh, yeah. you're still in it for a couple of years. <laughs> but as we, as we speak of this, it's like, we should bring experience into the mix because not everything's going to be perfect. You're not always going to feel like a first chair parent. But one thing that I learned from my parents, who I would claim were first chair parents, who uh, when they came to Christ, it it is, and they deserve it. Well, God deserves it for the work he's done in their life. Mr. and uh, Mrs. Petter. I actually have no idea what your parents' names are. So Mr. and Mr. (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Petter, good job. (laughs) Yeah. So the times that I learned the most from them was when they failed and were honest about it and told me about it, and then brought that to God. The times I learned the least were when they tried to cover up their failures because Mm -hmm. I would find it out over time, and then I'd be like, what the heck? Yeah, what are you guys doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's way more valuable in the life of a child than perfection. And so that's why like, this first chair parent isn't somebody who does everything right. It's somebody that prioritizes God in the decisions they make and even in their failures. So when you fail... What do you do with it? Do you mope around or do you um, try to hide it? Or do you give it to God and let him pick you up and pick up the pieces of that failure? Mm. And then what, what the children sees, what the child sees from that is that... It could be children if there's multiple. Yeah, the child or the children see. <laughs> Thanks for catching that. Um, <laughs> what they see is where to turn when they fail and to how, how to actually lead a family themselves one day. What I love hearing this is I'm just kind of painting this picture in my head. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old right now. But if my three-year-old sees myself and my wife failing, then when the three-year-old also watches our one-year-old fail, will he then look and be like, it's okay. Instead of scolding his little brother, instead of coming down on his little brother, correcting his little brother, that he could just be like, it's okay. And help him up and move on because he's seen mom and dad model that failure. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Exactly. And that's one of the beautiful things about our walk with God is that we can be weak because he is strong. And when our weaknesses are displayed, they actually show God because he is stronger in our weakness. So it shows that we didn't draw this strength from ourselves. Our successes aren't credited to ourselves, but God is leading and God loves us. And that's why we are where we are good yeah and so ultimately how do you parent well you love god well and like you make him the priority and then discipling your kid now comes from that place of i want to make time for god because i am in love with god Mm. rather than i just want them to have good morals or i just want them to do good things or be ready for success in life like No, I want them to know God because he's the one who's going to comfort them when they fail. He's the one who's going to love them through the hardships of life. And he's the one who's going to care for them when I'm not here to do so and lead them when nobody else is leading them. That's good. So we called this episode Take a Seat. And I just want to kind of 
wrap up what you've said, Gavin, mm-hmm. in these two words, filter and focus hmm. that as parents, we really do need to take a seat sometimes and, and, and look at our focus. What is our filter? What's guiding us? What chair are we sitting in? Are we filtering things we do with the idea of God, the image of God uh, as a priority? Is it a, a secondary thing that, you know what, it's holidays, let's break out the Jesus? Or is it a, a tertiary third chair thing where, you know what, I remember this from my childhood. It, it's a memory. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's really where we need to put that filter in focus and, and take a seat, take a, a, a look at our life for a moment. And, and what goes first when we reach for those fishy crackers? Are we, uh, are we, are we praising God? Are, are we looking to, to model good examples, good expressions, good outputs, the way we react to our children in the moments or, yeah. Are we taking third chair, which is really just maybe we're going to pick it up and throw it across the room. <laughs> so what's our takeaway, Gavin? Yeah, our takeaway today, or my personal takeaway from today, from this chair that I hope you guys take away is in everything you do, seek God first. Focus and filter. Yeah, there it is. Makes it easy to remember. <laughs> Have a great week, guys. I've been Nate. I'm, Ga- I'm Gavin. <laughs> Professional child Gavin. <laughs> and that proves it. <laughs>